Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to It Is What It Is, powered by the Riot Report. We are excited to have you here. I did a little bit of, diff- of a different cadence there, and it seems like my <laughs> co-host, uh, Zach Luttrell, was unhappy with the way that I said... Is it the stink eye that I gave you from across the room? Yeah, I could choose to say Riot Report however I want to do it, yeah. as, as long as I hit the name right there in the title so that everybody knows what the name of the podcast is. All right, we're good. Because it is what it is, and it's not what it's not. Boomtown, we just knocked it out of the park right off the bat. Welcome, it is what it is. My name is Josh Klein. I'm the managing editor of The Riot Report, and right over here to my right-hand side with two bottles of water today, right in front of him is my good friend and the ringleader of the Roaring Riot, Zach Luttrell. Well, we're recording on a Monday. We normally record on a Tuesday, so I have plenty of time to recover, but here we are uh, 24 hours since the end of the game. Not the end of my evening, by the way, just the end of the game, and uh, yeah, that's why I have two bottles of water, because... Don't feel awesome on Mondays. You deserve it. Typically. You had a big day. Monday yesterday. is really my only day off, and uh, here we are. Yeah. Well, it's not your day off today, buddy boy. No. We have got a lot to talk about, so we had to get into the lab, as they say. Are there, and, are uh, there things to discuss? No, they're just mostly game talk, mm. and um, that's it. Uh, not a whole lot else happening in Pantherland. Uh, no, obviously, you know what? We can joke around about it, but let's just dive right in because there is. Uh, in reality, there is a lot to talk about. Um, bombshell reporting on Sunday morning coming from Sports Illustrated, a lengthy article detailing multiple allegations of workplace misconduct, of a sexual nature, and of a racial nature. Um, Zach, just kind of give me your immediate thoughts on, uh, on, on what happened when you heard about it. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it started really Friday before the report came out where the Panthers uh, released their uh, their comment, their statement that they were going to launch an internal investigation. And, uh, you know, from that point on or, or from that point, totally just had tons and tons of questions. I mean, it was just weird that they put something out late on a Friday afternoon. I mean, that certainly felt like they were just trying to dump something out, uh, you know, going into the weekend. Um, and it just seemed odd to me that, they would, uh, you know, choose to self-report like that. I mean, there had to be more to it, right? They weren't just going to come out and say, "Oh, we're we're investigating ourselves." So, uh, you know, asked a bunch of questions, and then we got hit, uh, you know, right at one o'clock on Sunday with what was really going on and um, kind of what we thought the Panthers were really just trying to get ahead of the the news that was coming. And then SI had, uh, you know, pretty lengthy report of of uh, the history of what's been going on with Mr. Richardson and, and within the organization and. Really, uh, I mean, the emotions are all over the place. I mean, it's just been oh, just over 24 hours since that came out, so I'm still really at this point just trying to digest it and understand it. But, you know, as a fan, it's certainly disappointed, shocked, hurt, embarrassed, mad. Um, I mean, really going through the whole gamut of different emotions on this end. Yeah, uh, I think that's kind of how most Panther fans feel and, and just most people that are associated with the, the Carolina Panthers in general. And... Um, the one of the things that I want to make clear is that we call the podcast it is what it is and so kind of what that means is that we're not going to talk about we're not going to speculate on these allegations and what's going to happen in the future and um, we're only going to talk about what's actually going on right now with the team and obviously these allegations are terrible and 
you know, if if these things are true, then, you know, these stories need to be told. And it certainly seems like with all of the allegations coming out that, that that's where we're headed. And especially with what happened after the game, the way that Mr. Right. Richardson decided with to... With the Panthers announcing the sale. And then, uh, you know, just as we're launching this podcast, the Panthers have also released the information that uh, Tina Becker will be taken over as the COO and Mr. Richardson stepping down from all football operations from this point forward, which... I felt like that had to come, right? You know, because it seemed like when, uh, you know, Mr. Richardson announced last night that he was going to go ahead and move forward with the sale of the team at the end of the season, to me it felt like at that point that wasn't going to be enough for the NFL just to stop their investigation, right? Because it could take a while for the team to be sold. Um, You know, even at that point there's no paperwork. There's nothing that's initiated the actual sale. It's just him saying that. So, um you know, for to allow him to continue to be the head of the team when the team could potentially be going to the, the looks like they're going to the playoffs. Who knows how long they're going to be playing? It could be a couple more months. So for him to just sit, um, you know, at the head of the the team and and have them not continue the the investigation and kind of have him ride off in the sunset, it just didn't feel like it was a likely scenario. Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those things where the victims is the victims of these allegations of these crimes. They deserve to have their stories told, and this this is kind of the fact that Jerry Richardson is in such a public light and is such a huge figure in both the Charlotte, the North Carolina, the national scene that sometimes it can get caught up in the, okay, so what happens in the football sense or what happened, how does this affect the team? But in reality, this happened to real people. Right. And that's something that we we need to uh, we need to always remember in situations like this. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and uh, pretend like I know what was happening in that office or even really discuss it any further just to say, you know, we're going to wait and see what these investigations bring and and see how things go moving forward. But let's address kind of the elephant in the room in the city over the last 24 hours that Jerry Richardson is going to sell the team. That is happening. He's already announced it. It's on Panthers.com. Do you think that there is a chance that the Carolina Panthers will be sold to an outside group, hence moving out of the Queen City? You know, that's a, that's a good question, and that's something I saw a lot of Panther fans talking about after the game yesterday when the announcement came out that he was going to sell the team. I think it's natural for pan- for, for fans to panic, uh, to be fearful of a change like this. I mean, let's face it, we've never gone through anything like this as a fan base, you know, with this franchise. And, um, you know, there are always rumors of, of NFL teams um, moving to different cities. Um, and then most recently with, the you know, the teams that have gone to, uh, you know, the, the Raiders to Vegas and the two teams in L.A. I mean, it's 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 happened here recently, you know, because of stadium deals. So I can understand the panic. I I personally believe there's as close to a 0% chance as there could be. And the reasons why, I mean, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, the the obvious one would be the, the, the tether that's in place until 2019. Um, You know, I just think also the Panther, Charlotte being a top 20 media market with pretty much every single city above Charlotte already having an NFL team and like the, the 10 to 12 below them as well. You know, it just it doesn't make sense for them to to jump to another city. I mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head that would be a better 
better market, um, you know, an up and coming area that's that's developing and moving fast, um, has a, has a fan base that's you know pretty loyal. I mean, with the consistent sellout streak, you know, whether or not they're actually coming to the games, the tickets are being sold, and the reason why that's happening is because you have sixty thousand or whatever PSLs that are that are guaranteed season tickets every year. So the system's in place. This is a successful franchise. This is a lucrative franchise, and you know I think that's going to be shown in the uh, dollar figure that they're Mr. Richardson is going to command for the sale. I think we're. I think you are absolutely right. I think that uh, you know the the Panthers have sold out every game since two thousand two. That is a impressive streak. I mean, that's fifteen years. I'm no math guy, but you know, <laughs> carry the one. And then uh, you think about. I read a study earlier that that Charlotte is due to double in size by the year 2040. Wow. That is, that's a lot of growth. That's, just, that's two times the growth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just, I don't think that that is going to happen. Now, are we going to sit here and tell you that there's a 0% chance that they're going to move? Of course not. No, but Zach likes to give close to zero chances to a lot of things. <laughs> and I think that this is, and I agree with him that, this is kind of as close to zero as you can get. Now, who knows? Diddy may come in and swoop the team up and move them to the moon, but I, I just don't think that I don't think that those things are happening. In fact, I will go ahead and tell you a hundred percent that Diddy is not buying the Carolina Panthers. What? Excuse me, North Carolina Panthers. What about Puff Daddy? Oh, he might. Yeah. Uh, what about Puff Daddy? Sean Puff, Daddy Combs, and Colin Kaepernick together. Yeah, and Steph, Steph Curry, Curry right? Wing. Current the, professional athlete. Is, is that the new ownership team? How many millions of dollars do you think Colin Kaepernick has in the bank? I mean, he probably has, what, $40 million in the bank? What if we went from Mr. Richardson to Puff Daddy? <laughs> P. Diddy. That would um, be an interesting swing. He kept saying one of the things that he made very clear in his drunken Instagram video that he put up uh, <laughs> was that the uh, halftime show was going to be lit. Now, I don't know if he knew this going in, but the halftime show yesterday was Montel Jordan and CNC Music Factory, so I'm not sure you can go up from well, there. Well, let me tell you something about that. So normally uh, at halftime, right outside of my section, which is 525. 525? Yeah, the uh, split-second sound DJs, uh, you know, Diane, the, Vinny's wife, Vinny the DJ for the Panthers, they're over there doing a little halftime show of their own. So we've started this little tradition with uh, you know some Roaring Rat members and some friends of just gathering up there, uh, hanging out for halftime, and I... I had to skip this one because um, I had to sit in my seat to watch Montel and, and Freedom, man. Yeah, man. I, I actually left the game right before halftime to go to the bathroom and refill my beverage just so, so I could be could in my back. seat. <laughs> I missed the Green Bay. I missed the Green Bay touchdown at the end of the second quarter just so I could get back to see see how we do it. That is. <laughs> The greatest thing I've ever So heard. take that, P. Diddy. So I was... Although M.A. dollar sign E would be very exciting. Absolutely. Welcome back <laughs> to you, Mace. Uh, just, if I could just... What's your favorite Diddy song slash Puff Daddy song? Well, I mean, I'm a huge Biggie fan. That's fair. Um, So I could go on forever. But if you're asking me just Puff Daddy... No, I mean anything that Puffy's involved in. Oh, uh, I mean... Uh, warning by Biggie. How about that? That's oh, one of all right. My that's a good one. Who the is Paige and me? Yeah, oh, that's mine. Yeah. All right. Whoa. Yeah. I, I feel like he got thing. very aggressive. He stood up out of his seat in case you're not here. Um, uh, I might go with Bad Boy for Life, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, I don't really. I have nothing else to say after we talk about. Well, Biddy, you Diddy, actually, but... you started this this you know segment off talking about the team, and and you know again we're not going to speculate, but. 
fans want to know, you know, is it going to be someone local? Is it going to be, you know, an outside group? I mean, just again, this is just an opinion, which is you know normally outside of, or that is outside of what we normally do. But, you know, I think just knowing what we do know of Mr. Richardson, which is kind of funny to say, because apparently there's a lot of stuff we don't know about Mr. Richardson, right. but we do know for sure that he's a Carolina guy and he's a proud Carolina guy. And, you know, it would just really surprise me if, uh, you know, the plan that he puts in place doesn't protect the team from from staying in, in Charlotte and in the Carolinas for sure. I think that the statement that he put out was very carefully worded. And uh, it it was very clear that the Panthers were part of the Charlotte community and not just, hey, guys, I'm selling the team. Love, Jerry. Right. It was, you know, when we brought football to the Carolinas, we wanted to do to create a community and we have and you have and and I think that that is kind of what Mr. Richardson would want and now obviously sure. he's going to have a different legacy well and that's where I was going to go too I mean I think he cares about his legacy you know and, and, and all the good that he's done as far as bringing in the team here and, and helping the community in that regards and certainly what's happened here is going to uh, you know tarnish his legacy and, and it's going to be tough to look past that when you're talking about Mr. Richardson but I just can't imagine that he would pile Move, you know, setting the team up to potentially move to London, you know, yeah, or, no, or back to St. Louis or what, you know, whatever the crazy scenario would be, um, you know, to put that on top of, of, you know, what's, what's happening with him. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, and unfortunately this, in my opinion, again, we don't, we don't like to linger on our own personal opinions, but in my opinion here, I think that this is now Jerry Richardson's legacy. Is what he does this sport? Here. No, not what he does here. Oh, sorry. Is this Sports Illustrated story is now Jerry Richardson's legacy. Just yeah. like whatever good Marge Shot did, I don't know any of it. I just know what happened at the end of her Cincinnati Reds tenure. Right. So that's that's the unfortunate part. Of, and that's and that's sad, you know, because yeah. he certainly, uh, you know, just from a football fan perspective what he did to bring the team here and, and to build a community around the team and what we at the Roaring Riot do to continue bringing people together and uniting them over Carolina Panthers football. I mean, certainly that more than likely wouldn't have happened without him initiating that. So, you know, to, to not be able to remember him and, and that part of what he's done, first and foremost, is that's the part that's upsetting. We would have never met if no. it weren't for the Carolina Panthers and Jerry Richardson. So Thanks, Jerry. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and your <laughs> friendship, Zach. Uh, how much do you think that the people that own Bojangles have, Mr. and Mrs. Bojangle, uh, do you think they have $2.3 billion to buy the Carolina Panthers? No, uh, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, <laughs> no, I, I... Just I, immediately. No. Nah, last night, uh, you know, I wanted to go ahead and put together that uh, GoFundMe and get it going. So sure. I think that was uh, that was going to catch a bunch of steam. I never got around to it. I was a little bit... When I when I said it from when I went to go do it, the Red Bull and Vagas were wearing off in the game, and I was like, this might not be the right thing to do. Yeah, probably not. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate your enthusiasm, and uh, the, I'm sure that just the, want to be first of argument. The three thousand dollar GoFundMe that you would have made, <laughs> you could have joined the Kaepernick Diddy uh, Curry yeah. ownership group. But as Ron Rivera said today in the eight minute press conference, in which he did not get asked about football once. Sounds right. We're here to play football, yeah. and we are not here to play football. But I think that's something when when a story like this can pop up, you can kind of forget that 
There was a football game yesterday. There's a football game next Sunday. And that the Panthers are 10 and 4, and their magic number for clinching a playoff spot is one. Oh, no. Well, it's one win. But one win. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's a, uh, we had kind of, it's funny. I mean, when we think of the Carolina Panthers, we look at them from week to week. But when you look at them as an overarching team this season, then yeah. what's happening right now? They have won six out of their last seven. Yeah. They have, in their last six games, they have rushed for over 200 yards three times. They're averaging over 180 yards rushing. Cam Newton has thrown 14 touchdowns and two interceptions in his last six games. Hmm. He's Devin running Funch the ball is coming more into his effectively, own. which is making the entire team run more effectively. Yep. Greg Olson is back. Had nine catches for 116 yards in a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey just had his highest yardage 136 from the line of scrimmage in the last game this is a scary team which is another is, nfc as corny as this sounds this team has totally evolved throughout the course of the season Hashtag that magic word that evolution. we heard about the offense going into the season um you know after we watched the first few games it didn't really look like much of an evolution and we were just wondering what was happening but to see how they started you know in san francisco and, and then uh, you know against the bills to what they've done recently, and, and I know the the Packers defense isn't very good. I mean, they're they had a good a few good plays. You know, what I mean, they weren't terrible, but certainly they're nothing like the Vikings defense and what the Panthers offense did against them the week before. But um, it's exciting to watch, man. It was exciting yesterday in the stands when I when the offense got the ball back, and I just felt comfortable and confident that they were going to be able to execute enough to win the game, and they did. Didn't it kind of seem like? So it's funny because I feel like sometimes Panther fans can be a little bit spoiled by the year 2015 when sure. they were scoring whatever 40 points a game and and taking team pictures at at with the 2 minute warning and this is not that team but this is a very good team and it's different than that team but they do have similarities they don't have maybe those big name wide receivers they run the ball a lot they kind of they have that offense where at a certain point they've scored 25 to 30 points and you think to yourself, how did they get to 25 or how did they get to 30 points today? And it's like they're methodical. Sometimes they have a big play on defense. Sometimes they have a big play on special teams. They find ways to win. And what's happening right now is they are top five in both rushing offense and rushing defense. Wow. And when you think about a team that wins in December and January, they're good at both those things. That seems like a good recipe. That's the, yeah, it's the right formula. So how much of their recent offensive success, specifically since right around the 1st of November, has to do with the Kelvin Benjamin trade? Um, I think a lot, yeah. uh, to be perfectly honest with you. One of the reasons why they traded Kelvin Benjamin, they continually said that they wanted to open up the offense that they felt like the fact that Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin were so similar that they were both X receivers and they weren't and Funches was playing the Y or the Z sometimes um, was really a detriment to their offense and they were having trouble getting other wide receivers on the field and they were also having trouble running the ball and while it may not come across on a play-to-play -play basis the reality is is the week since they have traded Kelvin Benjamin, 
their offensive statistics have gone up in almost every measurable category. So you don't think it's correlation instead of causation? I don't know. You don't think it has I, it, anything to do with them to... figuring out finally, or, or not finally, but figuring out the, the appropriate ways to use McCaffrey and the appropriate times and ways to use Jay Stu, uh, you know, with Olsen coming back and, and now being a part of the offense and a big part this past Sunday, yeah, Khalil well, being Ol- back. You know, Olsen there's, there's a lot of other factors. two games out of those last six, and they were also in one of the first eight when Benjamin was there. Right. So let's not go uh, – assigning everything to Olsen and Khalil and Olsen was not good last week. He was fine. He was on the field. You can't argue with that, but he had zero catches right this week. Obviously it was fantastic. And it was kind of vintage Greg Olsen. And yes, the, you know, Christian McCaffrey has gotten better as the season has gone on. Cam has recovered from his shoulder surgery, but at the same time, the, the proof is kind of in the pudding. They're, what does opening the field up mean? Like, what does that mean exactly? Now that KB's gone, the field's open up, the offense is scoring more. What's what's happening? Well, so in my mind, what it means is if you have two receivers on the field, right? Let's say that you have uh, you're out in a in a set with Devin Funchess and Kalen Clay or Demir Bird on the other side of the field because that's who's been that's who they've been putting opposite Funchess is one of those two guys. Right. When Clay or Bird is on that side of the field, you have to account for them because they're they're fast, they're quick. Kind of one of the one of their things is that they take deep routes. Now, whether they actually run those deep routes doesn't matter because you have to account for that. So that means you can't run a single high safety defense. You can't do a cover zero for fear that you're going to get burnt on those deep throws. And just because they haven't been completing the deep throws, which Lord knows they have not, (laughs) there's just the mere threat of them makes all the difference in the world. Just like perfect example is we've all seen the viral video, the Clay Matthews, the, oh, you've been watching film? That's cool. Watch this. That was so great. The reason that happened is because the threat of Christian McCaffrey running that wheel route to the outside allowed allowed the middle of the field to be wide open. If you look on therightreport.com, that's therightreport.com, uh, there's a great analysis from Vincent Richardson up right now that shows you exactly why that play worked. And the linebacker that was supposed to be covering Christian McCaffrey tries to go underneath Greg Olson because he thinks that McCaffrey's going to the outside. He gets he runs into his own man, and McCaffrey's wide open. McCaffrey would have been wide open no matter what on that play, simply because the linebacker thought that he was going outside, and he wasn't. Yeah. So the same thing. So when when it says open up the offense, when you are when the safety has to take even if it's a half step back, that makes a difference in the run game. Sure, we've seen it. Um, we how- have seen it. That's the thing is that it's it's very – we talked about the run game last week. I feel like we talk about the run game every week because it's one of those – it's the run game where you say, ah, they just don't – it just doesn't seem like it's working. But then you look down at the stat sheet and they're like, oh, you, they rush for 170 yards? <laughs> how many how many yards do you think they rush for against Green Bay? I don't know, actually. No, I'm asking you. No, you I don't watch, know. You, you asking watch the to, game. You're asking me to guess? Yeah, you watch um, the game. How many? 182 yards. Mm, no, it's 100 – it's like 150. But oh, okay. You were you were only guessing high because we were just talking about it, but uh, they, yeah the the running the running lanes are a little bit op- more open 
And maybe a three-yard gain becomes a five-yard game gain. Maybe a five-yard gain becomes a nine-yard gain. And that's how the running game opens up. And couple that with kind of the misdirection plays that Shula runs constantly. The the fake sweeps, the the zone read, which Cam seems to have made that zone read a little bit even more tricky by ho- just holding it in Stewart or McCaffrey's gut for like ever. I yeah. don't think, and I, and I, to be honest, when I'm in the press box, I don't watch a lot of other teams at that, you know, all I get to see are the highlights. So I don't get to see the zone random zone read plays. Yeah. When other teams run a zone read, when Marcus Mariota runs a zone read, does he hold it in the, the running back's gut for that long? No, no idea. Yeah. I, I don't think that he does, but I don't know. So I, those kind of things are the reason why it has opened up. And whether you want to attribute that to the Kelvin Benjamin trade is up to you. But well, the but the simple fact remains that between week eight and week nine, they traded Kelvin Benjamin. And since then, their offense has been m- much better. These numbers don't lie. No. Figures well, lie and liars figure, according to uh, Ron Rivera. Well, what's exciting to me is, you know, I think when when – you know, Kelvin Benjamin was certainly the biggest name in the wide receiver core for the Panthers when he was traded. And people wondered if Funchess was going to be able to be that number one receiver. But, I mean, he's he's filled that role. He's done that well. I mean, tell me the stats. You dropped them. What, so my favorite, yards a game? my favorite stat is that before, when Kelvin Benjamin was here, uh, the most yards that Devin Funchess had was 70 in a game. Right. Since he's been gone, uh, that a song? Funchess has... <laughs> But just could breathe for the first time, <laughs> and he is averaging seventy point six. So he's basically averaging better than his best game when KB was when here. KB was here. Now, obviously, that KB wasn't. There's no KB to take those targets. So, so what I saw Sunday that made me happy because yes, I, I think Funches has filled that role nicely. Um, there were some times where I thought Cam may have forced it to him, if, you know, just a little bit. But Cam forcing it to a number right. one So. <laughs> But what's happened this past Sunday with Greg being back and with you know, Demir actually being a legit option, right? I mean, yeah, he's not uh, a, he's absolutely. not a de- he's not just a speed decoy. I mean, the guy had you know two two uh, touchdowns. I don't know how many receptions he had. I know he was five for five the week before for thirty seven. He, he's getting he's getting shorter routes too, which is what something that I really appreciate is that he used to just be running those nine routes and those deep outs, but now you see him running crossers and and angles, and he's in the He's in the mix from eight yards away as opposed to throwing it 60 every time to yeah. try and get it to Demir Bird. And then with the uh, receptions that we already know that McCaffrey's going to get, I mean, I like the the mix that this offense has, and, and I'm not worried about not having an A.J. Green or a Julio Jones. You know, that's another similarity to the 2015 team when, uh, you know, Cam was running with uh, Teddy Ginn as his most reliable source. You know, T.G.? He uh, – He's got a lot of options now, but no number one guy that he feels like he's going to have to feed. And I feel like he Cam does a better job when he has it like that. You know what I really liked was um, the fact that – not the fact. Uh, you know what I really liked was that play that they ran at the end of the first half. It's the um, – oh, you may not have seen it not- because you were getting a drink <laughs> saving up for CNC Music Factory. Make you sweat. They're about uh, – I want to say they were like 65 yards away from the end zone. And instead of running a Hail Mary, they – uh, they did that Tyreek Hill play that Hill scored a touchdown on last year or maybe six weeks ago where McCaffrey ran 15 yards down the field and everyone else ran 50 yards down the field to block for him. 
and then they threw a short pass to McCaffrey and had all this open space in front of him. That was fun. I yeah. just I I just wanted to bring that up and comment on it because I like that kind of play call at the end of the half. It's okay. a little bit different than just running a straight run down to the end zone and have Cam try to throw it up for you. Yeah. Um, it's just fun. That's it. I, I don't have a I don't have a larger point to that. But when you look at um, in the first half, Cam was the run the passing game was not really working. Uh, second he, quarter for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. They they had one of those lulls that uh, Cam has talked about for the first few weeks or the last few weeks, excuse me. And uh, you know how many passes he completed to wide receivers in the first half? I think it was zero. It was zero. Yeah. Only Christian, only Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson had caught passes. Is that good? No, that's not good. Okay. Um, but then in the second half, you had obviously Demir Bird, three catches, two touchdowns. Devin Funches got involved. Jonathan Stewart got involved. He threw two passes to Kalen Clay. So he's spreading it around a little bit more. But they don't need the huge statistics from Cam in the passing game to win games anymore. Right. Um, but in reality, Cam Newton is just playing out of his mind right now. The past month. Yeah. It's a combination of running and passing, and I just don't think that... And having fun again. Yeah, yeah. I mean... When are they going to do a big team celebration, Zach? You saw that you saw the Packers have that power walking touchdown celebration. Yeah. When are the Panthers going to pull something out like that? Who knows? Um, you know, if they can beat the Bucks, maybe they'll do another uh, another fun picture type thing or uh, you know, nice coordinated TD celebration. But you're right, they haven't done any of that. Which I got to be honest, I haven't been that crazy about any of them. Did you see the, there was one yesterday where they spun the ball and they were sitting around like it was a campfire? Did you see that? You haven't been fond of that many of them? They're no, so awesome. I don't think they're that funny. The Eagles t- baseball celebration you don't like? I don't know if I saw that one. What about the hide-and-seek one that the Steelers did? Mm, maybe I haven't seen too many maybe, of them. Maybe you just haven't seen any of them? See, Is that the maybe thing? I'm just stuck in the uh, the Randy Moss, Steve Smith days when they were basically when going. When they were mooning and people. Joe, and Joe Horn. Man, that Joe Horn is Terrell the Owens, like, Those were amazing. The Joe Horn is the goat celebration. Was that the one where he had... pulled the, the Sharpie and, out? No. Or the cell phone out? Yeah, the cell phone underneath <laughs> the goalpost. Like, yeah. what? That is such That's awesome amazing. planning. Like, he had to, not only did he have to know that he was going to score a touchdown, In score that a touchdown zone. on that side. You think that was his real cell phone, or was that his burner? Oh, great question. Yeah. And the answer is burner. <laughs> 100% burner. Uh, I, have a, I have another question for you. While we're just kind of uh, talking about um, less specific things, do you know what a catch is? <laughs> no, I don't know what a catch is because I certainly thought that Steelers play was uh, was a catch and should have been a touchdown, but clearly I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, did you think that the Demir Bird catch was a touchdown? I, I did not until I saw it on the replay. The There was one of the angles that was obviously the, the right angle to see it to make that call where you were looking clearly at uh, Demir's back. But once I backside, most people were looking at his back. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, it was that was a tough call. I didn't think it was a catch. I mean, I wasn't upset about it. Greg Olson didn't think it was a catch. No, I saw the video; it was great. Uh, uh nobody thought it was a catch. I didn't think it was a catch. I, like when the crowd went wild at first, like when they showed that replay, it was like, oh, oh no, 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 don't challenge it. And then he challenged it. Yeah. Obviously well, I won. watched the replay of the game today and I got him, you know, I tweeted out, they got a pretty big kick of hearing uh, Aikman and, and uh, Joe Buck saying, well, this is a stupid challenge. 
<laughs> this is just a bad challenge. Yeah, well, I mean, they are not lying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I take it back. They They're were not lying. lying, but it's it was turned out not to be a stupid challenge. Um, but I don't have any idea. I said a month ago that to try and get upset to get upset about what is and what is not a catch in today's NFL is the wrong way to look at it. The way to look at it is just yeah, I don't know when they when the, when it goes to a replay, you can say well, I don't know. It's like one of those. It's like watching Lost. Part of the fun is in the debate. Yeah. Okay. You know. It's it's no fun if you say yeah it's all it's purgatory and they all went to heaven at the end of it and they're in this church and spoilers for lost by the way um, it's more fun to be like I think that the island is a metaphor and it's all happening in Jack's brain <laughs> just like it's more fun to argue at a bar or in the stands that it is a catch or it's not a catch yeah well I'm glad that it was a catch. Yeah, I think uh, we all are. Demir Bird uh, had not had a couple of fun firsts yesterday. Demir okay. Bird had his first touchdown of his career. Yeah. Also had his first tu- two touchdown games since high school. Oh, wow. Uh, James Bradbury, Bradbury forced his first fumble since high school. That's amazing, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just, I feel like that secondary is really having fun back there right now. They sure. feel like they're, they played really, I, wa- I don't want to say really well. They played pretty well against Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, anytime you can get three interceptions, you played pretty well. Yeah. Um, I thought they tackled really well, which is a huge part of playing in the secondary. Steve Wilkes says the most important thing about being a cornerback is being able to tackle well. Did you know that? That's no, a, I, I thought that was an interesting way to think about um, playing corner. Playing in the most secondary. fans will argue that if cornerbacks are good tacklers and they're probably bad cornerbacks. A lot of people, I feel like my, this is like one of those older generation things that like my dad says that if a corner or a safety is the leading tackler on your team, then you're in trouble. Right. And I just don't think, I don't know that that's true in today's day and age. So how are we feeling? Um, we got the news just a little bit ago too that uh, TD is now suspended for the last two games of the season. No, uh, he's going to be suspended for one game. He's going to appeal it. They're going to drop it down to one. I think he deserved to get suspended. Yeah. Whether or not he meant to do the hit or whether or not he's a dirty player, uh, you know, we can argue that all day long. But the reality is, is he did it. You know, you can. And the reality is, he is a repeat offender. Yeah. You know, no one wants to say that or, or think that about TD, but yeah, by the book, he is a repeat offender. Like seven weeks ago, I fined for a hit. So it's like, you, you can say that he is, you know, yeah, he's Walter Payton Man of the Year and he's Mayor of Charlotte, but the reality is, is he has done this before and probably will do it again. And, um, and for me, I think it's just TD's an aggressive player, and I think he's going sure. hard. I don't think TD is intending to hurt anybody or no. a dirty player. And you could you could see how remorseful and upset he was at, at himself after that play. Um, but, yeah, he's he's going to have to deal with it now. So, luckily, if what you're saying is true and he does appeal and they drop it down to one game, luckily they're playing the Bucks next week, which, you know, he would certainly like to uh, have him against the Falcons versus the Bucks, But – I mean, should Panther fans be concerned about the linebacker depth, even even against a team like Tampa Bay? I think you should. You can always be pre- concerned about linebacker depth when it's Luke Keekley, David Mayo, and question mark starting at <laughs> linebacker. Um, but I think that the more interesting and more uh, scary thought to me is that the Panthers may look past the Bucks. Mm. This is I mean this is going to be a very distracting week. I can tell you that 
usually on Mondays for media availability, there's seven reporters there, maybe, maybe 10 at the most. They're there, and they're usually there for Ron Rivera's press conference, and they all leave, and then it's me and three or four other people. Today, there was no less than 40. Wow. Um, in the locker room today, there to were talk li- about the 10th win. Yeah, exactly. And to look forward to Jameis versus Cam. Big, big game. Um, so I do think that there's a chance for a for distractions. And I think that is going to be something that Ron Rivera and Cam Newton and Luke Keekley and the leaders of this team are really going to have to try hard to keep from happening. Not only is it going to be a distracting week, but you're also looking at a Tampa Bay game that kind of doesn't really mean anything. You know, like obviously you want to win, but there have been so many big games. And then here's Tampa Bay. And then next week is Atlanta. Yeah, but I think the Panthers know what's at stake as far as the division still being up for grabs. And I think they know that they can't slip because the Saints and the Falcons will also be playing at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Um, you know, So for, if they want the opportunity to stay in the race for the South, they know every single game counts from this point on. And like you said, I would expect the leaders to articulate that and to, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to be something that they're going to have to do to uh, to make – to keep the Panthers moving forward. But the reality is that on Sunday, either the Saints or the Falcons are going to lose, right? Yes. So the uh, does that mean that the Panthers, so if the Saints win, then the Panthers will not have to deal with the Falcons because the Falcons will drop a game below them, you know, like that, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And if the Falcons win, then the Panthers will still have a shot at the division title because they'll be playing the Falcons in week 17. So I just feel like there is a lot of room for kind of like, well, like like an easing off the pedal for a week. I, I don't think that the Panthers are going to do that. It's a veteran team. If it was a younger team, I think maybe. But that's my bigger fear more than the... quite a dud for them to lose to the Bucks, who are obviously eliminated and have nothing to play for and yeah, just the, aren't very good. But the Bucks would love nothing more. I mean, more. would they or would they? Would they? You think Jameis doesn't want to eat a W here at Bank of America Stadium? <laughs> you think he doesn't want to eat Ws? I just that's my fear. Less than than missing Shaq Thompson and Thomas Davis. My bigger fear is that they come out flat and they they beat themselves. Because we've been saying all year, the way that you lose games in Carolina is by beating yourself. And the Bucks can't beat them, but the Panthers can beat themselves. Does Captain Munnellin play this week? Yes. Why I didn't... think he'll be back on Wednesday. Why was he out this week? Personal reasons. I think he, <laughs> I think something happened. I think something happened, and this is well, we, this our... was uh, akin to being benched or suspended for one game. That's that's again. That's just my gut feeling, and, and what something I, happened. Something happened. Was it attributed to him being a grouch, being disgruntled, being upset about? I don't think he was gruntled. If you're asking me whether he was gruntled or disgruntled, I think he was. I think I think that something happened, and he came in on Wednesday and was told that he was not a part of the defensive game plan. Oh wow! Okay, that's what I think happened, and then he. That's why he walked out of practice, and that is why he was told on Saturday that he was not going to be part of the game plan. Right. Okay. He is a. Here's the thing, though. You know what he said after the game on Sunday was he said that being benched and made inactive was he said it was like a slap in the face, not in an insulting way, 
in like, like a wake a up call. Wake up. Oh, okay. In like a wake up call. So if you're going to be missing your big nickel, Shaq Thompson, and your Will linebacker, uh, I think having a guy like Captain Munderland out there for a lot of snaps is really going to help. Yeah, it was nice to see him on the on the broadcast when I watched it today, hanging out close to Coach Rivera the whole time. I mean, it looked like he was still being actively involved on the sideline. So, um, you know, that's that wake up call, that smack in the face looked like it was true, but he was definitely still um, vested in what was going on. He was so. down there talking to Kevon Seymour and Colin Jones, and, and kind of using his uh, his smarts and his veteran presence to yeah, help them, which I would expect him to do. Yeah, um, I think that he is going to be back, but. To be honest, having those guys, the more guys you can get reps, the more Brian Cox reps we can get, the more Colin Jones, the more Kevon Seymour, the more even Amini Silatolu reps that you can get, the more comfortable that these guys can feel in big game situations. So if something were to happen in the playoffs and you need Colin Jones to come in and play for three series, it's not, oh, he hasn't played since San Francisco, you know? Right. So I, I think that is going to eventually help them in the long run the, the deeper they can show that their team is, the better. And I think that I, I said it before, and I will say it again, that the way that the Panthers are playing, they're playing uh, at a scary good level. Yeah. So um, this Sunday, last Sunday of the year, home finale. Last, more than likely, the last home game of the season. Maybe. More than likely. More than likely. So, yeah, last tailgate, Christmas Eve tailgate. Uh, you know, make sure you're out there. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Going to be the last one. So, uh, then we're ramping up for the ATL takeover, where we have over 400 and I think it's 50. I'm looking at the number 453 Panther fans. Nice going to that game. So, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be a big one. You know, you and I have talked about the uh, possibilities of it getting flexed. Um, so, of course, that you know. We have to look and see what happens next weekend with the with the Saints Falcons game, and well, hopefully the Panthers Green handle Bay, their Detroit business. Is no longer going to get flexed. That one's gone. Uh, the the Jags have locked up a playoff spot. It's so. Dallas. It's going to be Dallas. So Dallas has to win next week in order for the Dallas game to get flexed over the Panthers game. Dallas if, versus the Eagles. Yeah, if Dallas can play in a night game that makes any that has any sort of bearing on the playoff picture, the the TV wants that on tv yeah nbc i would be ha- I, would, I would be happy not to have the panthers game flexed me too i need a nap in between the game <laughs> and my new year's eve plans in atlanta i just want to celebrate i just want to celebrate i just want to celebrate uh not in the panthers locker room <laughs> yeah, that's I, all i want to do i don't want to do the walk of shame at midnight in the uh marshalling yard of the georgia dome the former georgia dome parking lot uh I went to, when I was a freshman in college, I went to the Peach Bowl on New Year's Eve, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which mm-hmm. featured the North Carolina Tar Heels, led by defensive end Mm-mm-mm-mm. number 49, Julius Peppers. Yeah. Yeah. Did they um, win? I don't remember. <laughs> But then what I what You're happened such a was, college football fan. was I was I walked out of the stadium um, after having some bevies because I was a college freshman and uh, I wandered out of. Do you have a fake ID? No, I snuck in mini bottles of bubblegum liqueur <laughs> like an 18 year old. Um, and I wandered out and there was a big crowd of people listening to music. 
and it turned out to be three dog night. So I celebrated the new year by myself yeah. listening to Jeremiah being a bullfrog wow. in Atlanta, Georgia. So there's a you know, there's a pretty good chance. Are they a one hit wonder? Three Dog Night? Yeah. No, they have a bunch of so they have a bunch of good songs. What's another one? Um Never you Been don't. to Spain. That's a good one. No, I never been to Spain. Never heard it. Nope. Not ringing a bell. But I've been to Oklahoma. Ah, they have another. That's oh, catchy. That sounds pretty good, right? That's catchy. Um, I don't know if they have. I'm sure they do. Don't but, Google uh, it. Do no, not I, Google no, it. No, I would never Google anything. <laughs> uh, but I think that celebrating New Year's Eve in Atlanta sounds like an absolutely fantastic idea. And... I hope that we all can. So the good news is the nightmare scenario that we talked about last week is is dead and gone. That's right. Right. The Packers are out of the playoffs. Um, so tonight there's been a little bit of debate on who people are cheering for. My theory was I'm actually wanting the Falcons to win tonight. I want them to stay in the race for the division so that they're super hungry next week when they play the Saints. Because now that we're here, now that I didn't want the Falcons to beat the Saints – and they did the first time. And I was a little less than confident against the Vikings, but the Panthers pulled that off and beat Green Bay. Long story short, the Panthers do have a shot at this NFC South title. So now that I'm here, we're this close to it, now I'm back on that bandwagon, and I want the Falcons to be playing for something when they play the Saints next weekend. I agree with you. But... Not many do. Um, yeah, you know goes, what? It goes we're against friends. my whole F Atlanta always, you know... Well, theory, you're gonna mantra. have to f the Bucks too. So it's like, which which one do you want to f? It's usually Atlanta. Uh, but please subscribe, save, rate us, and review us on iTunes. We are. It is what it is. Zach, how can you're Roaring Riot Z on Twitter? That's me. I'm at Josh Klein Rules. You can follow at our Riot Report. And we thank you very much for joining us. Go Panthers! What is happening right now? Sing this. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Bum, bum, bum. Was a good friend Thanks, guys. of mine.